It is time for our Friday panel and in studio with us this week uh, two men with lots in common at not least their long and distinguished careers as members of Angarda Sheikhana and their involvement in sport at a very high level uh, both as players and indeed behind the scenes in subsequent years as well. Uh, in studio with us this morning I am joined by uh, Jim Sheridan and Eddie McHale. Jim is the former Sligo Leitrim Garda Chief Superintendent and Eddie a former Detective Garda. That was, that was the, your re- retirement rank Eddie was, was it? Yeah. Okay. Jim was your boss then, was he? Oh yeah, he was my... He was my for he was for my many boss. years. He called the shots. He was <laughs> the sheriff. <laughs> he was the sheriff. Welcome to you both and, and thanks for joining us. And we've, we've, we've lots to get through. And of course, people will, considering the discussions we've had on the show this week and all the burglaries we've had across counties Donegal, Sligo and Leitrim uh, of late and, and all the opinion that's coming forward in relation to rural crime and so forth. Would you be worried, Jim, about what is happening or maybe what isn't happening or is there reason to be worried, do you think or not? Well, when you hear about all the crimes that have been reported over the last while, then naturally you would be worried. Um, I was looking at crime statistics recently and believe it or not, burglaries in the country are supposed to be reduced, reduced as as indicated in the last reports issued by the Garda Shekhana mm. over a year prior to the pandemic. But uh, that being said... That's much no consolation to somebody whose house has been burgled and uh, maybe a lot of valuable stolen. In some cases, they may have been abused and violated. Yeah. Um, Eddie, what, what do you think? Is it is it worse, as far as you know, than you've seen it before? Or has this always been the case well, in Ireland? It's just the media highlighted it more. You know, it has, it's always the case. It has always been the case ever since I was in the... In, since I would say in the 70s and 80s. You know, first of all, I'd say like that, you know, before I'd even go into it, like that people, you know, that's living in rural Ireland, old people, elderly people should feel entitled to live in their homes without this element of fear that they're living under now. And people are in fear, like with so many burglaries around the country. But as I was saying, when when, uh, you you would be worried about it, because we'll say when I was when I joined the the guards, we'll say in the 70s, uh, I worked in a station out on the border, out in Dowra. And I don't think in that time, I don't even think there was one crime ever recorded. I don't, that's being honest, I don't Ever. think there was even one crime. I never remember a crime and that went for, we went from Dowry to Langevlin to Swan and Bear, out to Drumkeer and up to Drumshambo and, and there was, down to Black Line. I never heard of a crime out there but it's different that time. Crime that time was, was localised. It was, it was... And, and it, why, why, why was that the case then? Is it, is it, we were a more conforming society or were it, it peop- wasn't that light but it, that's, the way, that's the way it was that time if what, you look was at, the punishment if, no but if you look at Ireland today compared to Ireland then compared to Ireland say in the 70s like you know you have a more diverse community now Yeah, you have more um, you know society has changed it's a more cultural society you know and I'm not saying 95% of the people that's coming into this country are great people and we welcome all them people that comes into the country and they're bringing all new ideas and new approaches and new skills and all that type of thing. But there's an element as well coming in that's committing crime in this country mm. that we hadn't back in the... That wasn't back there in the 70s and 80s. And I, I'm just saying that it's a, much different, it's a much different Ireland and a much different society. And then you could go into... And I, I, I'll finish with here I am and I'll go on to something else later on. But you have different... It's much easier now to commit a crime than it was that time. 
Yeah. You know, mobility of people and, and, and all that type of stuff is all different than it was then. You, you were telling us recently, Jim, how you, all the stations you served in, a lot of them were rural stations back then. Was there less crime, do you remember? Was, was I any... there was less crime. I think that there, there was a number of reasons for that. The word society has been mentioned twice here yeah. already. And I think that it is a societal thing. I think a lot of the problems that are in Ireland at the minute are because of the way society has evolved over the years. And basically, um, I can't remember any major crimes, definitely, in any of the stations that I was stationed in, those rural stations that you mentioned. Um, you know, it's fair to say, I suppose, that things have changed. It was mm. all very localised then. If we had a crime, it was some local, which was unusual. Yeah. Uh, basically, nowadays, high-powered cars, people are much more able to travel long distances and commit crime. And basically, that would be the fear that I would have, that people are travelling distances uh, and uh, committing crime and then clearing off again. And I'd just like to come back to what Eddie said about people living in rural Ireland. They have to be frightened and they have yeah. to be afraid and you'd feel sorry for them. I would just say, in case we forget about it, not to forget things like Community Watch and Neighbourhood Alert. I don't know. I'm retired 20 years, so I don't know what the state of play is in those two organisations now, but they were very useful in the day. Yeah. Uh, speak, speaking and visiting the elderly and, and, and that. So there wasn't as much crime definitely in the day, but I think that that's a societal thing and the fact that people are moving about the wrong type of people are moving about uh, and uh, let's say committing crime and they're coming probably encasing the joint as we would say yeah. prior to knowing where they were going and who was living there and, and that that's, they, that's they, a factor as well okay yeah. um, I'm sure Eddie you've been hearing this week about new legislation in relation to attacks on Gardaí and ramming of um, emergency services vehicles and so forth apparently you can get up to 12 years or you will uh, you could be in jail for 12 years if you attack a guard and we've had some of course um, dreadful cases of attacks on guardy particularly in, in areas of Dublin what, what have you made of that and I mean, there's something quite shocking isn't there when it, we have to bring in legislation it, it is to, it is it's, it's, it, an assault on anybody is shocking mm. it's, and, and, uh, and it's, it's shocking that it's happening on, on guardy as well and it's, it's well publicised and I, I just think that, you know, when and I was just saying to, to Jim before we came in, you know, that when we join the guards or when anybody joins the guards today, you, you're going to expect at some stage that you're going to meet somebody that's confrontation and you're going to meet violent people. But I, I honestly think now, and maybe not everybody might agree with me, but I, I honestly think that uh, assaults on Gardaí years ago was much worse than it is now. Do you think so? I, th I think so. And I think the reason that it's, it's maybe more out in... You have social media now. That yeah. every little tittle tat that you have with a guard on the street today, no matter what it is, mm. it's it's on social media within minutes. And I don't think that's right. And I think that that thing that appears in social media in relation to assaulting guards, it's it's putting a fierce fear into people. People read about this and they see about you. You take them back years ago. You take twenty, thirty years ago. People were there was guards shot dead. Uh, yeah. There was there was uh, there was you you were you were dealing with subversive elements that time. And the violence was at its worst in this country. There was guards going out meeting, stopping the car. There was there weren't there weren't You were meeting people with submachine guns. You were meeting people. They didn't care one hoot about you. Those people, guards assaulted, guards beaten up, guards locked in the boots of cars. It just it was, wasn't. It was a report, but not as widely because. But it, it was wasn't that time. Social media has that pushed to another limit now. Yeah. You, you t there wasn't a night of the week years ago that you wouldn't be at some row. And I, I honestly don't think that uh, I, I'm not assaults in anybody isn't right, and I'm not, I'm not here with that. But what I'm saying is that I, I think that assaults on Gardaí were much worse many years ago 
than they are now and you were dealing with far more assaults than you were dealing with nowadays. Uh, Jim, what do you think of uh, well, legislation to, you know, to jail people for up to 12 years for assault? I agree uh, to, to an extent with what Eddie's saying because basically I never went out in patrol at any stage back in the day, which is a lot of years ago, afraid that I was going to be assaulted. And uh, very, very isolated times, uh, let's say, I think I was only assaulted once uh, during my career. Uh, that I, and it was a very minor assault, I can assure you. But it did happen. So I'd have to agree to an extent with Eddie that basically there were very few in the day, but we're in different times again. Yeah. And basically I think that, you know, unfortunately I have to say it, that looking at what we saw on social media and on the television indeed at times, over recent times, in relation particularly what happens in Dublin, that basically uh, society has has lost a lot of respect for the guards. Yeah, well uh, that, younger, that would seem to be, there seems to be no fear among no, some of these people. younger element, but again we had we would like to think anyway that we had great respect for the people that we worked with and worked for, and we didn't expect to be assaulted, and we weren't. And again, I suppose in Dublin City it was different. I worked for a year in Dublin, so I, I would know that uh, it's a bit unusual. I worked there in the 70s, I think it was, for a year, and uh, there was no major problems with assaults. And if there was assaults, you had help within minutes, and that was different in the country. If you're assaulted in the country, you're on your own usually, and yeah. you had to get out of it the best you could. But uh, I think it's 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 very unfair on the Gardaí. It shouldn't be happening. Uh, they should have the respect of the people because they gained that over the years and they're still doing a great job out there uh, with, according to the media, limited resources, but they're doing it and they're doing well. So basically it's very unfair and, and you see these people surrounding patrol cars and breaking windows and male and female members obviously in fear of their lives because that's what they're up against. That is happening in, in areas, but not, not to any great degree locally. And I didn't witness any of it when I was... In, yeah. in the guards apart from as Eddie said like we all know about the atrocities that happened during the, the border times and the troubles and all the rest of it and they were horrendous and you can't forget those but the assaults that we're talking about now are really people who are an incident arises the guard will called and within seconds there, there's a lot of people around assaulting yeah. the guards uh, A couple of questions and, and uh, comments coming in and people wondering what your views are this person says there's just not enough guardie in rural towns it's time to have the guard a house back in towns and villages and I, I think that's a uh, we talked about that before I think to both of you about the need to have the Garda living in the local community. Is it something you feel strongly about, Jim, or not? Or? Well, I'm very, I feel very strong about it because basically I think that, first of all, uh, it's well known that the strengths of the Garda are not what it was or that's what we hear any rate. But, like, I mean, I have been around Sligo at various times in the very, and I rarely see a guard on patrol in Sligo town. I rarely see that. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, but from talking to the guards, they say we're not enough enough is here and numerically we're down in numbers. But again, in the day, and I'm not wanting to say that we were all everything to everybody, but basically in the day we had people down that town mm. uh, during business hours and we had people all around the town and in rural and, and that Ireland. And that makes a difference. Of course it does. It makes a difference to the people because after all, we're public servants and we joined the guards to serve the people and that's basically what, what we were doing and we were people felt more secure. If there's only that you saw somebody to say, hello, guard, and how are you? I mean, that was appreciated by the guard as well. But those days appear to be gone. Now, I did see a lady down the town within the last two weeks, but I, 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 I was surprised in one way, but delighted in another. Now, in relation to rural Ireland, you're quite correct. I think it's crazy that stations have been closed. Uh, the likes of, uh, you know, I'm thinking about the ones in Leitrim, but I closed three or four stations in Leitrim, believe it or not. I, I closed Drummond. I was there. 
I closed Drumkeern, I was there. I closed Clune, I was there. There were three, three small enough stations, and but they were they were great, and the people were lovely. And I think that the people appreciated the fact that there were guards there because the guards were part of the community. Mm. And like another thing, as I mentioned to you before, in the day it was different, but again, you see, this is the old style, of course. Uh, my wife and the wives of everybody else uh, in in, in the stations in a house uh, where the sergeant was living, the sergeant's wife was there naturally, and she was taking messages, taking phone messages and writing them down in books and it was different times but I suppose yeah. the powers that be now would cringe when they hear somebody saying that uh, the sergeant's wife was taking messages but that's you're part of the community and that was it. Yeah, well just on that point and, and I, the St Mary's GA Club is relevant to this uh, discussion is it not Eddie? Do you know where I'm coming from on I, this? I know where you're coming from yeah. Yeah. Were, were you not involved in the establishment of St Mary's Club. I, I was involved with the, with the with, in the early stage St Mary's, but and, and, and I, that and came I, and that I, came. I, correct me if I'm wrong. You'll know more obviously more, but that came as result came as a result of the Gardaí in Sligo wanting to connect with the community. Isn't it, it, that it right? would have been, but if you if you going back to what Jim Sheridan was saying a few minutes ago, that when I came to Sligo, I stayed in Sligo. I was involved in the boxing club. I boxed here in Sligo. I was involved in the soccer. I played with with with, with Linview up in the hill. Uh, I play Gaelic. I joined up at St Mary's, and there was a, 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 lots of guards that were playing. But now it's all different. There's no guards now living in the towns. You know, they're this, they're travelling in. You know, they're travelling forty, fifty, sixty, seventy miles. It wasn't heard of in our day. You you, you stayed where you were. You came to I came to Sligo. I, ne- I never I stayed there. Yeah. Um, Barden's Murphy was was I suppose he was he was instrumental in in, in starting off St Mary's. Uh, Mick Barrett was there that time. I was there that time. And, and there was lots of other guys that played. You played in... We won't go into that argument, but I wasn't good enough for St Mary's. I was playing for St John's with a lot of Gardaí as well. But they were formed now in later years. St John's, if you, if you, if you, if 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 said, uh, if St John's wasn't there, you would. But this man played midfielder for Leitrim in his time and played with Drummond in his time and. Uh, yeah. But but it's, it's just. But that was important. You think that that involvement, be it sp- in sporting in your case, that was important that you were part of the important. community. It yeah. was, it w- and it was great for us as well too. This person says the Gardaí just aren't the same nowadays. Uh, the Gardaí seemed to know the community a lot better years ago, and you could stand and have a chat with them. Uh, they would have a word with the young people. The community Gardaí seem to have disappeared in this day and age. So the importance of community Gardaí, I think that's something... Well, I think it's great to hear people saying that because mm. it, it reflects on a time when that was what, that's what was happening. Uh, people would delighted to see guards in the street and now they're not so happy, I can assure you, to see a lack of Gardaí. But then again, as I say, and in fairness, the people who are working, I'm sure they're doing a great job because there's great people down in the stations and stations all over the divisions. But yeah. having said that, uh, they, they would say the themselves, they haven't just got the numbers uh, to put people in the street and unfortunately if they're stuck for somebody to drive a car somebody goes sick or ill or something like that it's the person from the street that's taking away immediately. So ha- that's uh, that's I, I would be totally in, in agreement with people who are saying that they like to see the guards, in fact it, it, it reinforces yeah. my belief in it. We, we, we won't stick with, with all guard issues but there's a lot of interest in it I have to say. Uh, when I was growing up we all knew uh, the local guards by name. Uh, they walked about the towns and in and out of the country, they drove by the house four or five times a day and they waved in at the kids and adults alike, said hello and earned the respect of the community. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, and they're going saying it's, it's just not the same anymore. Uh, two things to put to your panels is this person. Uh, would they support the idea of bringing the numbers of the Gardaí in our region back to the 1970s level? And how do they feel about lenient sentences handed out by liberal judges? who are, in my opinion, are out of touch with the fear in local communities. 
And then they also ask uh, Eddie's insight into uh, the Mayo, the, the likelihood of Mayo winning the Ireland. But uh, sentencing, any any views on sentencing at all, or um, Jim? First of all, in relation to the strengths. Obviously, the strengths in the divisions are not what they should be. Yeah. Instead of going down, they should be going up. I'm sure that authorities are saying, what's that man talking about because he's outdated, talking about what he saw 20 years ago. But that's not the story. The story is very simple. Uh, we need Gardaí, we need more, and we need them now. And that's what uh, people who are working would say, that they haven't enough help to deal with incidents. And uh, I would be totally behind that. In relation to sentences, well... Yeah. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, uh, when a case goes into the court, uh, it's the, just, the judge or the justice's decision. Yeah. And basically, uh, I would be saying that we have no hand act or part to play in it, but I'm aware of sentences <clears throat> that I saw recently that I would be totally, uh, would say that it was very uh, lenient considering yeah. what had happened. I won't go into any particular yeah. crime, but there is a provision there, you see, that if the powers that be feel that uh, a sentence is lenient, then they have in a lot of cases the authority to appeal that. They, they yeah. can, you can raise that issue, but but uh, that, that there definitely is, but again as I say it's it's the judge's decision yeah. and I have to but, say I, down, down the years that I was dealing with them I respected them, but I yeah, saw recently a few that were a bit lenient. But it can be frustrating I'm sure. Any lenient sentencing, is, <coughs> is that a problem or not? Or I, I think so. I, mm. I'd agree with you that the sentences and, and, uh, and, and you read them every day of the week you see some of the sentencing and you'd wonder, but it's again that's up to the that's up to the system to say that the, but we, that we'd have no hand or part, and you'd, you'd, you bring them in and they deal with them, and yeah. you would sometimes you look at even the local paper, you see some of the sentencing, and you say, gee, they're crazy like, and I'm sure people on the outside, people people that's the the victims of crime and the victims of this and that, I'm sure they feel the same. But I think just just before I just before I, I I drift off from that, I just think that we're you know we're talking about people and our Gardaí and them being visible and not visible. We're sort of drifting away from maybe from from rural, you know. Yeah. We 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 might be you know, and there is two levels of police and like and two different. We'll say that most of the police you'll see are in, in the towns and in the cities and in the urban areas. We're out in the country. There's not the there's not the amount of Gardaí that you maybe that you should have out there. And and uh, and and crime and the, that's that's one of the main reasons why there's so much crime and why it's so prevalent in in uh, in rural areas is yeah. that people can leave Dublin, high power cars come down to commit a crime in Sligo. Only very recently, you had a spate of crime from Bellana to Sligo, and they were able to drive down, and yeah. and they know that the that the level of policing isn't there. It's yeah. not uh, Dublin years ago had the same problem, but they the business people in Dublin they they upped the ante in in relation to. Uh, to uh, security and all that, and they, they forced these fellas out. They were the, and and they started drifting around the country, which is it's it's very easy for them to do it. Uh, Guardy are like all public servants now. Says this person, snowed under with paperwork. If it's not written, it's not done. Eddie was referred to as Mister Chips on his motorcycle one time. Go be with the days when Guardy were respected. That's all gone. There's no fear of the law anymore. Were you Mister Chips once? Well, that's not that's not the only name they call me. But no, you had you had great camaraderie with the people yeah, in Sligo. Yeah. I'd have to say in my time there. But of course, that's all. It's no good me talking about my time. But yeah. you would have, as I said, I played soccer. Oh, great fellas, like there were great fellas that you play with. Yeah. You, you know, I played Gaelic with St Mary's. The boxed up in the boxing club. All the best. And you get to know everyone and yeah. anyone. Well, I'll come to the sport in a moment, but I, I want to ask Jim about the Citizens' Assembly on drugs use, which has been established, I think, 
saying Paul Reid, the former HSE chief executive, is heading up this. You think this is a good move, Jim? It's it's needed, is it? Well, I think it is because the Citizens' Assembly is uh, being set up at the minute. Uh, I read recently in the media that basically over 20,000 letters are being sent out. Maybe some of them have been sent to citizens. Uh, again, uh, they're picked uh, at random and basically they've been invited to apply for inclusion in the Citizens' Assembly and uh, it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. It's on drug abuse, etc., etc. And I suppose the main factor will, that will be considered is... Um, the legalisation of some drugs, yeah. which I might add that I'm not totally in favour of at all. You're, are you completely against it? or but, Well, I, I would be based, I would be, uh, what would I say? I, I would be, yeah, I would, my views would be tempered by what the medical people would say and the specialists in yeah. relation to some drugs. Like, I mean, if I think about a drug called cannabis, which is a very minor drug, really, it was the gateway drug in the day where people started off smoking a reefer or a bit of a joint, as they used to call it, and ended up in very, very serious drug abuse. But, the, you know, I read a paper in the day when I was fairly well involved in this uh, from America that basically cannabis was one of the most dangerous drugs around. Why? Because it did irreparable damage to your brain on a progressive basis and you didn't yeah. realise it. They highlighted a case where a student in America had a, a reefer, one one marijuana cigarette, yeah. maybe once a week, and tetrahydrocannabinol, which is a THC, which is active ingredient in cannabis. Uh, that was a certain amount of it was st- stored in his body every week. So it was a build-up the second week, the third week, there was a build-up of THC, and that was in the fatty tissues. And one of the most fatty tissues in your body is the brain. And basically that man's... Uh, and as he went through the education system, his work turned out to be, as they described it, and it'll never leave my mind, meaningless scribbles was the effect yeah. of something that started off very simple. So basically, I wouldn't be against legalising something that the medical people have said should yeah. be legalised, but I would be telling the Assembly, look at it, look at it very carefully. Yeah, but it's certainly and something we need to, to do to talk about yes, and, 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 and that's, to that's look at policy. That's what all about, and everybody, yeah. will be, the people will be making the decision. Yeah. Eddie, any, any thoughts on that Citizens' Assembly? No, I'd, agree with, I'd agree with... Um, maybe I'd have different ideas or maybe different views on... on, on I'd say Jim is more of a kind of zero tolerance. And and, and, and he's right like to think that because uh, I, I, I never drank, I never smoked. My teacher Hochler and Jim Sheridan is the same. And uh, But I just think, again, going back to it, that society has changed so much. Yeah, that's... Yeah. yeah, just just one thing, and I don't want to interrupt Eddie there, but it is very important to say when we did get in on it that basically there's a lot of people out there who are very unlucky to have got hooked up on drugs, and they're unfortunate, and they need help, and the help is there for them, yeah. and it's just a matter of accepting the fact, and none of us want to use a mallet to crack a nut, but having said that, uh, basically. There's help there for them if anybody gets hooked. I mean, I, I would be somebody now who would be afraid in my life that my grandchildren would get hooked up in drugs because none of us know what's around the corner and they're readily available, unfortunately. That appears to be the situation. So it's, it's something that we must not bear in mind or we must not lose sight of the fact yeah. that people do deserve sympathy who are genuinely hooked up in something. They get addicted to something and that's when the problem arises. But the problem arises, of course, before they went on the first joint uh, that they didn't... And not, they're on that for simple reasons. They're, they're experimenting, they're young yeah. people. They wonder what it's like and the next thing they're hooked.
This person says, uh, I remember there were five guards and a sergeant in Drumahair in the 1960s. Did you say you closed the station in Drumahair, Jim? No, you I didn't close oh, Drumahair. It was Drumcairn. Oh, Drumcairn. OK, you left Drumahair there open. There were guards in it when I left, but having said that, there probably yeah. was a sergeant and five in it. Like, I mean, there was. Uh, yeah. But then again, you have to look at it. I mean, there, there's a, there, I think there's a sergeant and five in Grange at the minute, which yeah. wasn't there when I was working. It was one and two. And and uh, and I see a patrol car outside Cluny, so basically Cluny's not closed either. Yeah. So, so there are a few stations that uh, are are not closed but uh, I, I would definitely say look the bottom line with me is I want to see though I, I was upset when I saw those stations closing because I knew a lot of people there what they based it on I don't know but they probably based it on the population yeah. they based it on the crime levels out there and they probably said there's no point in having a station there uh, but there is every point because basically they're losing sight of the fact that we're public servants they're losing sight of the fact that they're there to help the people and we were seen uh, along with the parish priest and, and or, the, or the minister who whoever, and, and the doctor has been part um, of society to help yeah. people in rural Ireland. Uh, the Gardaí are just not the same nowadays as this person. Uh, the Gardaí seem to know the community a lot better and could stand and have a chat. They would have a word with young people. Um, we need more community Gardaí. My son is a Gardaí, says someone else. He lives 40 kilometres from his work because he feels that with the way things are nowadays, he couldn't just go out and relax in a town where he worked, which again is an interesting point and a relevant point as well. Uh, lovely to hear Jim Sheridan this morning. And again, people are asking you, never mind the guards. Does Jim have any hope for Finn Harps this year? And somebody else wants to know, does Jim have any hope for Donegal GA team uh, this year? Well, I, I, I'm probably a bit disappointed the way Donegal GA team took off because uh, I thought that there was great things there this year and a lot of fronts. And I see teams that weren't going that well in the league last year doing very well, like Mayo and Roscommon. Yeah. And uh, but I'd be very hopeful that uh, Donegal will be back. And basically, I I I been a predominantly, I suppose, a soccer man. I still have great time for the Donegal GA club and our GA team, and always had. In relation to Finn Harps, uh, I suppose I was a, a man who supported Ollie the whole way through. Uh, basically, he was up against it. Uh, he had problems, uh, let's say, with the players, he was holding on to the players at the end of seasons, etc., etc. And I think he he did a good job with limited resources. That's what it appeared to me in relation to holding on to players. But now there's a new manager there. He deserves an opportunity to get the act, to get his act together, and get a team up and running uh, that will do uh, Finn Harps justice and do the people of Donegal who support that team justice. And I think that while the first two results haven't been great, I would like to think that with uh, the passing of time, he will get more players, they'll get more used to playing one another. So maybe before the end of the season, we'll be shouting up the Harps. Yeah, well, let's hope. And they haven't won the Cup since you were the captain, isn't that right? No, they went no. very near once. They sat there in Tolka Park when Bray beat them away back in the, in the day, but they didn't. They didn't. That, that's that's fifty years next year. That's a long time, Lyle. It's a long time. Uh, and Eddie, as Joe wants to know about about your beloved Mayo, is, I know, is this I, to you? I knew, I knew it was coming. Yeah, well, it comes in <laughs> regularly, you know. But uh, no, I have to say that I'm 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 I'm, uh, I'm surprised. I'm well, I'm not surprised, but Mayo, are, they're going well. And they're playing good football, and they're 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 playing attractive football. And uh, I, I think the big thing with Mayo this year compared to the last few years is they seem to have gel. They're gelling in yeah. well with the new management of Kevin McStay and Lee McHale and Rochford, and and they have uh, they've lost some great footballers. And but this year they have there's, there's a lot of players that maybe didn't play much football with Mayo in the last five or six years, like the likes of James Carr, yeah, uh, playing well. 
uh, Jordan Flynn that w- w- you know was was in uh, an on off player for the last few years and them fellas are holding and I'd say I think the way he's playing it is that he's going to play them on 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 performances that the way they're performing he's going to stick with them yeah and you he's think that's the, that's the right way that's uh, the right way I think to go. he's I think he's he's doing well and I, th- I I think what he's going to do is he's going to give all them fellas they're going to be playing yeah uh, it's 40 years since this person 40 years since Eddie donned the Mayo jersey and still no sign of Sam coming to the red and green is it 40 years it is it's more than it's 70 it? years since Sam I think no, it's but you, well, since it's, you played they're saying since you, since you played for I'm them not 70 since I played but <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Mayo won the the last Ireland Mayo ones in 51 yeah and, uh, as we as we all know, all right, okay. But in, in fairness, like Mayo is up there with the they haven't won the Sam, but they're they're up there. Yeah, and like you, been... you'd have to say for the last ten or fifteen years that Mayo possibly are the second best team in the country. Yeah. and and we're we're very very unlucky not yeah. to have won two or three All Irelands. Yeah, right, okay. Um, I want to ask you about uh, e-scooters and e-bikes. There's a bit of controversy this week in relation to the regulation of these. Would you call them vehicles? I don't know what you call them, Jim. Have you any thoughts on that? Uh, um, it wasn't so well, much a problem a in your day. About it simply because I have witnessed what's going on by a lot of people who are cycling these e-bikes and basically you want to watch yourself around Sligo because somebody could come turned around a corner on the footpath and on an e-bike and I have witnessed that myself. So I'd be concerned about them from that point of view and I'm concerned as well about the fact that there doesn't appear to be any regulation uh, uh, available Actually, I heard a programme on the radio in the not-too-distant past saying that the government were, at long last, going to introduce legislation covering e-bikes specifically. Now, that hasn't happened. But, you know, when you think about it, a mechanically propelled vehicle in the day, and I'm subject to correction in this, the old grey matter isn't what it used to be, but the definition was very simple. A mechanically propelled vehicle was a vehicle propelled by electrical or mechanical means or vice versa, mechanical or electrical, and a combination of both. Now, to me, that uh, is the definition that include e-bikes. They're propelled by electric means, and they, to me, would be a mechanical propelled vehicle. But the problem about it is, when they were introduced, obviously, there was no law implemented, no specific law in relation to these e-bikes. And yeah. basically, that's the problem. But they're going to, they're going to get around to that eventually with emphasis on the word eventually because they're around a long time and nothing has been done about them. So I would say that they should be uh, they should be regularised and there should be new legislation if necessary introduced in relation to them and basically that should be enforced then and will be enforced by the Guardian because different from any other mechanical propelled vehicle you have to ask yeah. yourself as things stand at the minute uh, basically they're not identifiable in other words who owns them who's driving them and what authority have you to ask somebody for their name if they're driving them? Those are all things, minor things, but those are the things that would jump in a guard's mind on the street when he doesn't have any specific legislation to deal with them. Now, again, mechanical propelled vehicles, should they be taxed? Should they be insured? I mean, it, it, the question is very simple. I mean, if, if, if you get knocked down by an e-bike, who, who are you going yeah, to have a claim against? Yeah, and some people have uh, been texting us in relation to that very point. That's incredible. You can still remember the the laws in relation to mechanical uh, propelled vehicles after all these years. I, I, I was I was uh, looking up that. I didn't look. I didn't oh, sure. fact, I had no. I was going to look it up to make sure that it was correct. Yeah. But I'm not sure that I'm exactly correct. But I'm not far off the mark. Yeah. Are you on the electric scooter, Eddie? No, I, I, I look at. I've, I I see them around. I didn't. I didn't think there was a. I didn't think there was a problem with them. Yeah. I thought they were a great asset to the town. No, um, yeah, they are. They're a great idea, but. The 
the question is, uh, you know, there was suggestion yesterday they're breaking red lights and they don't not adhering to the rules of the road and. But it's it's, it's very simple. Like if they are like to deal like like with any cyclist, I I kind of see much more different with them cyclists than than ordinary cyclists. Like the, yeah. the town is full of cyclists, and I, I I have to say I see them. I I never seen a problem with them, and I thought they were I thought they were a great benefit to people and a great benefit. And I know what Jim is saying about mechanical prepared vehicles, and but I I don't know how you how a, how a electric bicycle maybe a could, but it's they're electric bikes and they're they've only one speed in them and. The, maybe they should come under the, uh, for mechanical. Yeah. They should come under the the headings of a mechanical propelled vehicle, but uh, I don't know how you. Well, I'm, I, it, exactly, and I, and I would be in agreement with you. I don't know how it'll be handled either. But there definitely is. What would you say? There definitely is. Uh, 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 discussions going on at some level to introduce uh, laws to cover them because they're not really covered. A bike, well, a bike going through a traffic light, no matter what it is, sort of a bike, a red light, I mean, uh, then that's when the problem arises. Uh, the fellow has put a bike through a traffic light. Um, how, do you, how do you identify the bike? How do you identify him? Yeah. What power have you to ask him for his name and address, despite the fact that he's broken a, broken a red light? And that brings me back to the other one, of course. If there were mechanically propelled vehicles, you have a lot of power. And you have power to seize his bike and everything else if it's an ordinary cyclist that does something wrong. Right, Margaret tells me she's come across a story only this morning that yesterday in Letterkenny, a man was charged with having no insurance on his motorised scooter, his e-scooter. Uh, on St. Patrick's Day last year. So there you go. Well, I'm delighted to hear that. And with all due respects to the man, I'm sure he feels a bit aggrieved by it. But having said that, uh, they should be insured because, like everything else, we all pay insurance for vehicles. And to me, that e-scooter is a vehicle. I want to come to the issue of uh, young people and being involved in sport, which we kind of skirted around earlier on. I wonder, does Jim still play indoor at the tennis club? Uh, He's a legend, says Turner Brown. (laughs) Turner Brown, yeah. Uh, I, I played, I suppose that's the reason why I have gammy knees now that I played for too long in the tennis club. But having said that, uh, we, both Eddie and myself played in the tennis club for years. Yeah. And probably I was definitely over the 50s when I, when I stopped playing and uh, I enjoyed this every day. This was five, five aside. Five, five was it? Aside, yeah, yeah, okay. And it was hectic stuff now, I can tell you. It was 10 yeah, well, guys. Say, if you were involved, Jim, it was hectic stuff, <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that, but I think that I think that sport is very, very important, very important for young people to involve in sport. That's both boys and girls. I think it's very important for their mental and their physical well-being to be yeah. involved in sport. And uh, I think that it's 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 very well catered for nowadays compared to what it was when I was growing up. When I was growing up in the north of Donegal now in the 40s and 50s, there was no organised sport for young people at all. Yeah. None. Uh, you just played as a, as a boy at that time. You played in the beach. You kicked football on the road or on the beach or somewhere. So basically that was it. But nowadays every club and every has, has, you're either playing Gaelic football, you're playing soccer. My own grandson, and I wonder what he's at, but he's he plays soccer, he plays rugby. No, he, do, he, he stopped the rugby, sorry. He plays soccer, he plays Gaelic football, he plays hurling. And, yeah. uh, but isn't that know, great that he has so yeah, many but, options yeah, and, and is, the fact is. that he wants to play? Yeah, it is. That, that's yeah. what it's all about. And all his friends are the same. They're all playing and they're, they're all playing. And I, I suppose I first-hand experienced that because I'm used as a bit of a taxi bringing these fellas yeah. around the place. But no, the answer is very simple. It's very, very important. It should be availed of the facilities are there and there's a set up in every, in every town and village really and I think that it definitely would help uh, the young people in their difficult job of growing up in Ireland today because it's not as simple growing up today as it was when I was growing up in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. But, but the, I, I'd say there are, more, there are more young people playing today there are, than, yeah. than ever like. There because there's more choice and there's there's more sporting clubs available, is there? there is like, but the team, I'm involved with my team at home in Knockmore. <laughs> 
and we have we probably have the most teams of, of any any club in Mayo. We have twenty five teams between between, between boys and girls and between men boys and, women. and girls. Yeah, yeah twenty five, and, and you're taking out an average. If you multiply them up by uh, thirty, you know there's thirty there's about thirty people involved with each team. There's I think there's seven over seven hundred playing members in in our club. Yeah, and and you take St Mary's or you take all these. Uh, we say in Dublin, in Dublin, I, I was reading in in um, Belly Bowden, they have more juvenile footballers playing in Belly Bowden club than there's in the entire county Leithrim. Yeah, that that's some turnaround. Wasn't yeah. always the case up, it, up it in Dublin club. Case, but it's, it's great to see that, is it not? In this it's great. It's great. And sport mm. is, as as Jim alluded to there, it's, it's great to see young people and and they are playing. You know, girls' football, ladies' football. Yeah. See how that has transformed in the last few years. <clears throat> yeah, I, I was reading an article during the week, or maybe I was, somebody was talking to me, that in, in a lot of the clubs in the northwest now, there's actually more girls' teams than, than boys' teams, which is great to see oh, yes, at, all, at all levels. Um, right, great panel today, says this person. It's a nice down-to-earth uh, chat uh, between your guests, which is true. I want to ask you a, a, a personal question, both of you. You haven't had time to think about this. If if you hadn't gone down the road of the, of the Garda, Jim, and I remember you were telling us the circumstances of when you joined up for the Garda and I think your parents were involved, not right in organising the interview and all that. And, but what else would you have done if you hadn't become... Well, very simple for me because I had one choice only after that and I was I had did two interviews around the same time, one That's for right. the guards and one for... <coughs> A psychiatric nurse, yeah. <coughs> excuse me, in 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 Letterkenny, and I was waiting. For, I had got. I remember you telling us that, yeah. Both, and I would have probably ended up as a male nurse or a psychiatric nurse, as we should call it, in Letterkenny. And would you have liked to do that? Do you think? Don't in... know. I have to say, but didn't know how to get on the guards either. But yeah. I said that I, I I was a worker anyway, and I did my best. That's yeah. What I say. But there was nothing else you you wanted to do in years later and said it well, Not God, really. I, I I didn't want to do anything. I was very happy in the job I was in. And yeah. frankly, just to come back to 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 the to the somebody was on about her son living away from Sligo. I'm sure it's it's not it's not easy to live in Sligo in a lot of cases. And there's no objection to anybody living away, but I would say, in my experience, I would definitely say that basically when you're living in a town, you feel responsible for the town and, and yeah. feel responsible for the, everything that happens in it. Now, having said that, I'm not suggesting at all that people who t- travel distances to work are not interested in the place that they're going to work in, because they are. I must put on record too, there are great people in the garage squad all over the country, great people. And they deserve great credit for the job that they're doing, sometimes in very difficult circumstances. And that comes from top management right down to the lowest recruiting the guards. And as I said to you before, if I had the mm-hmm. opportunity and could turn the clock back, what do we see, 60 years now, I would I would still join the guards. You still do it. Eddie, do, did you ever think, what, you, what, what would you have liked to do if you weren't a, see, a guard? See, I, 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 joined, I joined the guards when I was only 19. Yeah. I, I, I done the exam. I remember coming to Sligo doing the exam. Um, and had to thumb it down to Sligo. It wasn't, we had no care at home. But uh, I, I, I was fifth year in the college. I hadn't even the leaving cert done, and I had the results of the guards before I'd done the leaving cert. Mm. And uh, I had an old, I had two older brothers were, were reps. They were on the road, and I had visions that I might. I was. I used to even apply for jobs that time to be a sales rep, and they never even answered me. I never. I, I don't think I even got an interview for any of them. But. Uh, uh, see, I joined the guards at nineteen. I wouldn't. I don't know what I've. It, it was. It wasn't in my mind when I was in fourth or fifth year or in the college saying I want to be a guard or I want to be a guard. I, it never entered my mind until the exam came up. 
Yeah. And then I did the exam and, 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 and I suppose the rest is history. You just and, got on with it and that's it. But okay. the opportunities at that time was way different than they are now. Yeah. They're, they're, they're just different like and... Um, yeah, but no can, regrets. No regrets at all. With I have no regrets. I, en- yeah. I enjoyed... Well, I, I mightn't have enjoyed every minute in the Gares, but I enjoyed most of the minutes in the Gares. Okay. And, and uh, I loved where I was out in, out in Dower. I loved that. I was out there for four and a half years and, and I had great times in Sligo and... and um, I enjoyed every minute and hour that I spent in there, and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have any regrets. No. All right. Okay. Well, on, on a lighter note to finish, I don't know if, you, if we can go on the record in this or not. You, you've you've played together, have you, Jim? You and Eddie on football teams down Both the years. On 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 Gaelic football teams and on soccer teams. Eddie came up quite often to Donegal to play in the summer cups along with me, and we played together on the Garda team for the interdivisional championships in the Guards. And uh, I can remember Eddie. Eddie looked after my back himself, and myself played as centre field. And I was always safe when Eddie was about. And uh, I was very happy playing. And Eddie was a great player, as you know. And and people would know Eddie's uh, capabilities better probably on a soccer pitch than the, or a Gaelic pitch than they would in a soccer pitch. But he was no mean performer in a soccer pitch either. He maintained, you know, that we lost the cup final in Rathmullen, which is my home village, because he was substituted, and uh, the man that. He was marking, scored the goal, the winner. So basically, he he, he, he can he can say that with a bit of conviction now that if we had left him on, we might have won. But he was a great comrade, and he was. He was, so it was it was an adventure, really. The whole thing was an adventure, and uh, you know, uh, playing. I love playing Gaelic football. I told you that before, yeah. but just to, uh, as a man says, soccer was the. Tucker was the, the, the we, we we played we played um, we, we did play loads and loads and lots of times together. We did, uh, but we had the great we had the great honour of winning in All Ireland Gear the soccer final when it wasn't uh, when it wasn't um, when Sligo wouldn't beat the top soccer team no, in the no. country and took up and beat Dublin Phillips as lots of them are playing League of Ireland and we won that match three two yeah I think and I I'm 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 going to praise myself now I Do scored it. I scored two goals. And Sheridan scored one. So we, we, we have an All Ireland. We have an All Ireland. Well, have the title. I don't often correct you, but you're wrong about the score. It was four two. And four two. You, you scored two, and I scored two. I, that's the year day I got split. In the you head. did get split in the head, Jim. Got stitches and played on. But anyway, that was the that was. Well, we had that. We had that. Uh, but he was a good teammate, was he? To to, to play with. If I safely him. say he was probably the best. That. Uh, uh, you know, as regards a, a team and motivating a team, and you, you were never going out thinking that you'd lose. Yeah, that that's been honest about it. When Sheridan was round, you were you were you were always going out, and you, you always had a fair idea. You were always thinking in your mind that no matter who you played against, and as I said, we played against that team in that final, and mm-hmm. there was fellas playing that had played that it was playing league. Okay, Jim Sheridan was playing League of Ireland, but a lot of our fellas were only just uh, they wouldn't even be soccer players as such, but the, the moulded in. And yet had that belief in you going out that Bejeepers, maybe we might win. It's great he talks about belief because that's what every sports person has to have, the will to win. You go out there, you're competing and do the best you can within the rules and uh, that's what it's all about. I maintain that you be well, better Sometimes off. the rules were broken now. No, or, no. Or rules were broken, but we... we <laughs> can't be, can't be breaking. You can't be saying that as ex-cars that you broke rules. I know, yeah. but I'm saying about tackles. I'm, yeah. not, talking about, I'm not talking about... Well, you couldn't... You're sorry, you two, to break two clean players, no doubt, well, isn't it? Two clean players. Well, 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 I like to think about... I often get abused as well about being a rough player and a tough player, but I always say, well, Jimmy McGee called it right, the Lord of Mercy and the Man. He was a great reporter on all sport, and he said that 
Jim Sheridan played it hard, but he played it fair. And I can't leave. I can't. I can't contradict, contradict that. I don't want to contradict it because I know myself. I never want to hurt anybody in my life. And I'm sure Eddie McHale says the same thing. Okay, no, I don't know. Some of your tackles were were. were. <laughs> anyway, 